the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yeah, it's a good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the away. Hello and welcome to episode 255 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. And Jack Harper. We have Ashley Goff joining us again today. I thought as he was here on negative uh, means last week, good getting back on after a win. Uh, Sean is joining us in Alex's absence as uh, Spurs have lost and suddenly he's nowhere to be seen. Um, I said Jack's here. Do I say Jack's here? Jack wasn't he did, here last yeah. week, but he's here now, just in case. Didn't want to, uh, you to pull me up inside and said your name. So uh, there we go. Yeah, it's uh, no the band me, is... I'm actually here to defend myself this time. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, however, isn't. So uh, I did ring him to say, look, big week this week. Yeah, you've lost your manager. You, you, you've lost to United. You've kept Ollie in a job. And there was just some sobbing down the phone. He was like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll have a word with Sean. Um, I always say that there was a real lack of news of the week. There was such a lack this week that I actually couldn't get any. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> nothing literally, happened. No news. Literally nothing. Um, or the stuff that it was was like depressing, but not even in like a funny sense. Like, so it wasn't really worth uh, going down that route. So, what I have done is we reverted back. I can't believe that was on TV. There's some new game shows that you've not heard about, and I've got them here for you. So, one that uh, you, you might want to go and take a look at. Uh, these are mostly in Japan, as always. Um, Great news. Slip and Slide, this is called. Um, oh hundreds of bikini-clad, uh, often uh, teenage women, um, in Japan are oiled up and lined up while small elderly men are thrown across them in a bid to see if you can get them to go the furthest. <laughs> <laughs> So quite literally, they slip and slide made out of people. <laughs> so, um, and if you thought that was the, as, as weird as it gets, um, you're in for a treat here. So um, Japan pushing the boundaries as they do. Um, Orgasm Wars is the next one. I don't know what time this was broadcast, but uh, this was. There's on, no, there's um, no watershed in Japan. Anything well, goes. In Orgasm Wars. Uh, Gay men attempt to bring straight men to orgasm in a series of tasks. <laughs> the tagline 
Jesus. Will one man's staunch heterosexuality be impeached by another man's sexual prowess? Doesn't um, fall off the tongue, that. I don't have any examples for you, but um, the, the picture in the article just had uh, someone stood behind a box and then this other guy grinning into the camera. So uh, you can see the kind of direction we're going in. Um, well, but yeah, I, if it's... I imagine that's not one you can YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but if that does interest you, Sean, you were going to say... You were I was going to say, I mean, if, if, it's, if, if speed is the, is the aim of the game, then... Up there. <laughs> what, you, you still think you'd have that speed with the game ad? <laughs> because this is this is basically the thing, it's supposed to be be quite a revelation what, for the problem. From, from what I gather, the whole premise of it is the gay man being able to say you're not that straight, are you? <laughs> <laughs> He's got the name shoot from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> A lot of the other ones now are fairly uh, do what they say on the tin. Um, Marshmallow Rubber Band. I don't know who came up with this one. Uh, Men and women have their heads wrapped in elastic bands as they then try to eat marshmallows that are dangled from the ceiling. (laughs) I don't know how quickly that grows quite tiresome as a viewer. Quite quickly, I'd imagine. (laughs) There you go. Um, Tumble Dryer, the next one. Contestants are spun around in a tumble dryer as they try to complete tasks, such as <laughs> eating a triple whopper, uh, playing snake on an old Nokia, and getting dressed. So, you want to tune into some uh, daytime TV in uh, Japan, watching a guy try and play snake while going around in a circle? There you go. A tumble dryer? You can Yeah. How long can you last in a tumble dryer before death? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, finally, um, quite literally, uh, soccer with binoculars. A five-a-side tournament while all players have binoculars strapped to their heads. That would be so trippy. <laughs> Only in Japan. They must like Squid Game must have got put on there. And they must have, this is just tame. Like, this is just boring. I like the idea. That these have all just become a part of a thing that you used to get in school where they would tell you, like, look, there's no such thing as a stupid idea. And these are what <laughs> these boardrooms are like. Just no matter what you say to someone, like, you know what? Or it takes just one person going, you know, I'd watch that. Oh, right. <laughs> Tick in that box. So there we go. That's your replacement for News of the Week this week. Um, would have had some Halloween stuff, but I feel we passed that and usually... Well, I don't think this year anyone's been stupid enough to like dress up as the Twin Towers or something like that. Um, God. So that's what we're usually getting, isn't it? Mark Wright was our best one with that. Did you see the headline with it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not very on brand for him. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the um, South Park Halloween party episode uh, while I was off last week and uh, the devil, Satan, being offended that someone's turned up as Steve Irwin. He's like, oh, that's a bit too far. And then it is actually Steve Irwin. And it's like, all right, you're not in a costume then. Get out of the party. <laughs> Great episode. Hell on Earth 2006. But anyway, getting to the big news of the day, Nuno Espirito Santo has been let go by Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Daniel Levy and managing director Fabio Paratici spent Sunday locked in talks focused on one quick one key question whether to sack him now 
or leave it in place for a bit longer. Um, the end came on Monday morning via a four-line article on the club's website and an expression of regret from Paratici, uh, not for him leaving. Um, 9.47am that came through. Santo and his coaching staff, Ian Cathro, Rui Barbosa, who was a go-to goalkeeping coach for me on a football manager previously, and Antonio Diaz have all been relieved of their duties. This follows uh, Spurs basically being battered um, by United on a Saturday night. Spurs played horrifically. They fell to their third 3-0 defeat of the season and failed to register a single shot on target all game. Essentially, I think you would have to say what turned it was the quite clear revolt in the stands, uh, the booing of Nuno's decision to take off Lucas Moura, uh, Chance calling for his head, as well as uh, Chance directed at Levy, which is believed was the final straw, basically. Uh, Levy's not going to sack himself, so turns to the next man and tries to appease some of the fans there. Um, Sean, was there a point during this game on Saturday where you, you thought, yeah, he's... He's not going to be lasting much longer. <laughs> Probably when the Ronaldo goal, the Ronaldo goal went in. Well, I find that hard to believe because Alex did tell me he was going to be staying in a job. Well, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't listen to anything Alex says. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> on, on that note. I've asked the question the last three weeks after I said at the start of the season, who's going to last longer, Nuno or Arteta? I believe uh, Jack and maybe TK still agreed with him even a fortnight ago. So uh, it wasn't necessarily for the um, for the right reasons. I just didn't think Levy would sack. I thought he'd probably let it run. But I, yeah, I mean, this yeah. has got really bad. It's just that, time that contract. Uh, that performance is, I think, probably ten times worse than any of us thought they could probably turn in. So yeah. if if you it think accelerated the process. Yeah, bad then. I mean, the five league games that they've won have all been by one-goal margins. Um, they've looked good in patches, obviously, against City on the break. Um, they had a second, good a second half against Villa, a good first half against Newcastle, but the bad performances essentially have outweighed the good. You've got the uh, defeat by Crystal Palace, where they look pretty hopeless. The Arsenal game, where me and UTK have both described in separate ways about it being the worst of the, either the worst mid- midfield performance in Premier League history or just the worst performance in general. Um, United, the performance on uh, Saturday was as bad as Spurs have played in recent years, if you couple those up. If you rank all 20 teams this season by shots, Spurs are joint bottom with Norwich on 103 shots. Um, Liverpool are top with 199, to put that into context. If you rank all 20 teams by XG, excluding penalties, Spurs are second bottom to Norwich. If you rank all the teams by goals scored, again, they're second bottom to Norwich. (laughs) Um, I guess there's a frustration, Sean, that for everything that was said under Mourinho, you're not playing any better football now than you were when he left. Well, it was better under Mourinho, you could argue. Yeah, it's just, God, it's just awful. It's just dreadful. <laughs> like, even watching the, the despair, the, watching the game, like the first half hour or so, we had a lot of the ball, but it's, it's just like they get to the the third 
cut the last quarter of the pitch and then they just don't know what to do with it. It's just there like... was a moment, wasn't there, where um, Lo Celso had a rare break through the midfield and I thought he was as bad as anyone on Saturday. Um, and rather than play a simple pass into Sun, he tries to like hit it with the outside of his left foot and it ends up coming in behind Sun. And in a game where you weren't creating many chances, when you pass up an opportunity like that to have Sun yeah. get in behind the back three, it just gets magnified even more. I was I was thinking this, but going back to the Jose Mourinho point, where it's kind of like when he left United, like the squads that he had, maybe he did just get a bad press. I mean, he contributed <laughs> to all this a lot, but they were truly awful after they left. And I don't know if he just put them into an irreparable downward spiral. I don't know, but you would back a Mourinho Tottenham team to be at least a bit more defensively shored up than the Spurs team than the Nuno. It wouldn't be a it's, fun watch. Christ. It's the single most Spurs thing ever that they sacked him before their first chance of silverware in years and put the job in Ryan Mason's hands. I'll never <laughs> get past that. No, um, that, I'm really... Well, I mean, when Nuno came in, uh, Levy said that he hoped Nuno would be able to provide the team with a clear footballing identity. Um, it was kind of surmised that that would be a plan to build up play, create chances... And just have some level of excitement. I don't think there was an expectation that Spurs were going to be dominating the league this season, but I guess Neville keeps saying that all you can do is compare it to Pochettino. And if you were nothing else, then there was at least some excitement when you were watching that. Spurs didn't have a single shot on target against United. Not that that should be too much of a surprise, as they also failed to register a shot on target in the second half at Palace, in the second half at Newcastle, despite they were 3 1 up at half time. Or, or a single shot on target in the second half against West Ham when they were chasing the game. Um, this looks like a side that just doesn't really know what they're supposed to be doing. Within the camp, they say, there wasn't a revolt against Nuno in the same way that there was against Jose. Um, if it's any consolation to him, there was a respect for his integrity, the way he goes about his work, but the players didn't enjoy his training sessions. Now, I've seen this a number of times with Spurs in the last uh, couple of seasons when you've had managers in and out. Should the players have to enjoy the training sessions? I was watching an interview with John Terry. A clip came up the other day and he was speaking about the first time Jose came in at Chelsea. And he said they didn't enjoy it, but for the first time in a long time, they felt like they'd had a proper training session. And because of the work they'd put in there, I mean, he ends the interview saying... He'd go, he'd go off the pitch in a coffin for Jose. I don't think the Spurs players were ready to do that. <laughs> but but I, I don't know this this whole thing. I don't think when Jose comes in, you're expecting to like enjoy the sessions. You're expecting that he's going to have you incredibly disciplined. He's going to get you playing in a certain way that's going to make you better as a player. And it seems like a lot, a lot of these Spurs players just want an easy ride. Yeah, I, I think that is that is probably true. There's a lot of them that just they're just happy picking up a wage, I think. <laughs> I want to start for a bit, like you got well, Ali, Ben. There's some players I still can't believe they're still there. Ben Davis, for one. Well, supposedly Harry the Bing. reason Ndombele wasn't playing at um, the start of the season was he came in at the first day of pre season and said, I want to leave. Um, they said, 
they'll try and find a move away for him. They couldn't do that. And then Nuno was basically told, you better find a way now to get this guy back in there. Nobody wants him. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've probably felt this for a long, even, like this predates, you know, even Pochettino sacking for a while. It probably would have been quite a cushy job to be at Spurs for your player. Like go there, mm. probably get paid decently, not the best in the world, but one of the best in the Prem. Play in the Champions League. All you've got to do is get top four. Don't really have to win anything. Probably doing all right. But then it obviously just got a bit too fast, extreme, and then it went stale. We didn't buy anyone, obviously, even though we apparently had the best window when we didn't buy anyone. Yeah, I saw something about that <laughs> this week. Do you not think, Nuno, and we spoke about this, when, when the news broke about his contract, and it seemed like it was leaked by Levy because the whole way it was angled was what a great job this guy's done. If he has to be sacked now, we're not going to have to pay him off much. Which I said at the time when we did it on here, was a weird thing to put out there because it doesn't instill much trust in the manager. Um, do you think the fact that it took 72 days for you to find a manager to replace Jose um, quite publicly failed to land um, other stronger candidates? Uh, the Athletic reported today that there was actually far more than we knew and Nuno was likely between the seventh and tenth choice Christ. of managers that Spurs had approached. <laughs> you then, when you did approach him, gave him only a two-year contract, essentially saying, look, we want you to just make sure we don't drop any lower than we are, and then we're going to replace you with someone better. It, it can't have stood him in a great way when trying to get the appreciation, like the respect of the players. No, but well, at least made it yeah, harder even than with, it would have been. Yeah, even without the contract, I still don't think that was gonna happen. Just because how much of a, a shit show it was, I think he ended up getting basically got it because there's just no one left, and they're like, yeah. "Well, we're gonna have we're gonna have to give it to someone." So he had Gattuso, and then well, yeah, people dug up his old interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but. So Nuno wasn't the only one being booed. Levy, as we said, was being booed in the second half. Harry Kane in the second half was being booed as well, which was like music to my ears. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> um, this, this seemed very much um, the Spurs fans saying, we're not having this shit anymore. And they were making it clear to everyone in attendance. Yeah, I do think that if that game was at Old Trafford, Nuno probably wouldn't have been sacked. Mm, interesting. Probably would have lasted. I mean, he would have got sacked eventually, but I think it would have lasted another week or so. I'd written down some things because well, we didn't know if he'd be sacked or if, it, if they were going to do an ollie and they were going to tease us, get us to do a whole podcast on Conte coming in and then uh, hold off and decide to keep him in a job. Um, just if Nuno knew there was any pressure beforehand and he's picking a team to keep him in a job, he starts Ben Davis over uh, Reguillon. Obviously, doesn't trust Reguillon defensively. I, I'm not sure. I mean, you've seen a lot more of Ben Davis than any of us, I'd imagine. Is Ben Davis your guy like <laughs> Wan-Bissaka gets a pass, doesn't he? Where they say, look, he should have going forward, but he's a great defensive fullback. <laughs> and we're happy with that. I don't <laughs> see that being the other way around with Ben Davis, where it's like, look, Reguillon's too busy going forward. Ben Davis, we're going to keep this tight. <laughs> Well, I think the, the, it's like a default. Reguillon's good at going forward, so the view is that I mean Ben Davis isn't good at going forward, so that must mean he's good in defence. 
which obviously he isn't either. And it was that that decision when I saw it, that was so strange. Like he's not played, he's obviously played in the the conference league where we we try out all of basically all of the deadwood yeah. that we don't want there anymore, and then to randomly come in, and then against United as well, who have obviously just been spanked by Liverpool. You think they're on the ropes <laughs> as well as much as we are. You think like. You can at least try and attack them. Then they're hardly going to come in full of confidence. So, yeah, it was like he was playing not to, obviously not to lose. You mentioned the Conference League there, and I have something on that. Um, one of the things that's kind of come out as these things do is uh, the, the the relationship breakdown. So around the start of October, Nuno went into training, and I don't know how he ever thought this would work. He decided it would be a good idea to tell the members of the Spurs squad, you're my first team and you're my second team. <laughs> and doing this meant that he could have training sessions where he could put the first team against the second team. When he wanted to have these conference league games, then he would get them on the plane and keep them separate to the other ones who he would keep behind and they can train separately. He even told some players that they were in his third team. It... <laughs> It doesn't seem like if you're a guy who's struggling to command respect, maybe he thought it would go the opposite way. That's not going to get the guys on side. And I, I wonder if this times in with um, that Harry Winks interview on TalkSport with him saying, look, some of us feel like we aren't even given the opportunity to get into the first team because we're just separated. And I guess when you hear it like that, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure he has much of a leg to stand on, but in terms of squad harmony, that's not going to do too much, is it? <laughs> I wonder. I want to know who's in the third team. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's uh, just a load of youngsters and the players that can't even get into the Thursday night sides. Like the youth prospects and Matt Doherty, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the midfield is another point of contention. Um Michael Cox wrote a whole article on it um, straight after the game on Saturday. He was obviously uh, pretty disgusted by what he saw. And he he said it's so hard to understand because, yes, so he had, he omitted Nombele on Saturday night, an erratic player but is capable of creating something less than you'd hope, I know but then played what he described as the most unimaginative trio in Premier League history (laughs) in Hoivier, Oliver Skip and La Celso. Blimey. (laughs) Is is it a case of what can you do with the Spurs midfield options? Because his case is, if you've got Hoiberg in there, you don't need Oliver Skip in there. Like, Oliver Skip isn't adding anything more to that party. But that totally ignores performances where their midfield has fallen apart. Like, for example, against Arsenal, he tried going with um, Ali and Ndombele in there with Hoiberg. And Hoiberg was just having to do everything on his own and not doing anything, just getting overrun. Yeah. So part of that, not the formation, because he, he seemingly played like a one in front of the back four, but then the other two were like behind the striker. I, I just think people always do this where they go... It's same with Man United. They'll put, oh, why are you playing Fred and McTominay? And then they'll put just one defence midfielder. They'll get cut apart. And then everyone will be like, well, why is he doing that? He obviously can't play Pogba in the middle. That's never going to yeah. work. And people well, always that's... just rewrite it, depending on, on this. I've, I think you've hit the nail on the head with the options that Spurs have got in midfield. Yeah, the balance right. is just horrible. And, and for what it's worth, I've watched Spurs games where I feel like um, Ndombele's trying 
but it's kind of if you watched um Berbatov at Man United, where people were kind of suggesting like, oh, this this guy just isn't working for their style. He's um because he won't work hard enough. You watched it, you thought he is trying, he's just got certain limitations, he's not gonna charge around like a Tevez or a Rooney. And it's kind of like that with Indombele. So I feel like in his own way he's trying, but you're probably not getting him for more than an hour doing that either. No, I know um it's in, it, it's come out like I'm the guy that's done the research here. But Spurs obviously had a number of targets that they didn't get in the summer. They wanted a winger. Uh, we know Adam Atriori was that guy. They wanted a midfielder that they could play next to Ndombele, which then was put on the back burner when he decided he wanted to leave. But seemingly after they realised they couldn't sell him, they didn't have a backup plan there. Um, they the, the squad were apparently pretty confused why you didn't go out and get a backup striker. Um, I don't know the centre-back um, was what you wanted, but you couldn't get rid of any of what you had. Um, the Tottenham midfield, though, and i got three players here, and you can probably order these in, in, in order of talent, but still you had someone there. So Luka Modric, Moussa Dembele and Christian Eriksen, probably the previous three you could take in order of someone who you at least looked at to try and have some control over a Spurs midfield. Now it is very much you look at what they do have and it's like, I don't really know who I'm getting that from. Let's face it, Lo Celso or Ndombele was supposed to be that guy, weren't they? If you look at the fees well, that paid for them and, yeah, and, and yeah, neither yeah, have That's 110 million between the two of them. That, that's exactly what I mean. They've, they've spent good money on them. And if, you've supposed to show sort of flashes of what they can do, but you know, someone like Nuno would say, well, look, I put two sort of dogs in there in, in Hoiberg and Skip so that Lasalso could do his thing, and he he very much didn't do his thing. I feel like I'm being told how good Lasalso is, despite the fact I don't think I've ever seen it in a Spurs shirt. <laughs> well, Same. Yeah, he's he's coming off big... the back of this like rave reviews of playing for Argentina and supplying Messi throughout these World Cup qualifiers, and he's been. Did they happen though? I, I don't think I've seen them. I'm being told that it has, but I, like you said, I've never seen it. It's a little bit like before Bruno was at Man United. Like, we don't actually know this guy exists. Everyone's just saying it. I've never yeah. seen him. It turns out he does. There is a this, big section, this guy doesn't. There is a Jack big might say there's some stories about uh, Saul like that. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't even know because I don't even think he plays for Chelsea. <laughs> what are you going to say, Sean? So there is a big section of Spurs fans who are insisting that a staff so... When, like when he's not been in the team, that he should be playing. But whenever he plays, he doesn't do I mean... The Pogba effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's an issue that no, no one generally tends to do anything. And they, I think that is the key point. The, the recruitment was... Well, I've got great. It was great, like, you. leading up to the Pochettino era and the start of it. But ever since he's gone, I can't really think of any signings that you definitively say have been a hit. So it looks yeah. like... Conte is coming in now. He's getting an 18-month deal, which... We've been here before, though, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's in London at the moment. Supposedly, he's at the Spurs ground getting the things done or in a hotel around there. Sky Italy reporting it. Sky Sports are reporting it. I think he, he may have thought Eli, the ruffles on the table and they haven't come. And so now he's... I think TK alluded to similar on his uh, Twitter and I retweeted on the Spitballing account. Um, Tottenham has said today that they would announce Nuno's replacement in due course. Um, Conte, so there was an article written on what actually happened at this interview that Conte had last time out and what went wrong. 
So they say that he has a reputation for being demanding, but they didn't really see an issue with the salary that he was requesting. And so that's the first thing probably to get out there. Um, but in his previous interview, Conte warned the club that if they had any doubts about signing him, they should not do it. He believed that as long as he was allowed to drive the project as he wanted, then it would work. And he hinted that if he ever felt the club lied to him, he'd walk out and pointed to his time at Inter if they didn't think that he would really do that. I imagine this time Spurs are either going to give him what he wants or they're banking on him not walking out if he doesn't do what they want. Are you, are you, are you happy yeah. with the prospect of bringing him in? What, do you say happy? Yeah, you, are you happy with the I mean, yeah, you can't... Yeah, yeah, because he's obviously arguing he's the fourth, third, fourth best manager in the world. So, yeah, uh, definitely happy. I mean, my personal view, I think, would in the long term, it's like Potter, someone like that is is the long term you want. But he's not stayed at a club in the last ten years for any longer than three years. But then I feel like most managers don't stay that long anymore. No, yeah. So, but, but but also, isn't it a bit of a myth? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like is it a bit of a myth that when he leaves the club that he leaves are intact, like Mourinho used to do, like leaves the club intact? I don't feel like when he left Chelsea, no. didn't he win the FA Cup? He did. Like, he won the league. He won the league, and then he won the FA Cup in his two years. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think it's slightly unfair. The, the thing is, with Conte, he, he does have a tendency to have a strong. Like this, if he doesn't you get this his, before the chat, though, where. You said yourself he was quite right to strop. Oh no, a hundred percent. As far as Chelsea managers go in terms of transfer business. But what I'm saying is more so where a Pochettino maybe not wouldn't have stropped, he would have just got on with the job. Whereas if Daniel Levy doesn't give Conte exactly what he wants, he will strop and he'll be off. And you look at Inter for a prime example of he's got them to win the league for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah. And as soon as he learned that he's going to lose Hakimi and Lukaku. He's like, oh, fuck this. Fuck you guys. I'm going. I think it's got no sentiment towards a club. He goes there, does a job, and if he can't do it, he'll go. In fairness, it wasn't just Lukaku he was told he was losing. He was told, essentially, that anyone no, was up for grabs. Yeah. I don't think they expected to sell Lukaku for the price they did, which meant they could keep um, Lutaro Martinez. Mm. But in terms of they sold Hakimi as well, you've got to think, in, he thought Barella and the other options were on the table too. I do think there's a myth with him that we keep hearing he's he's going to expect all of this money to be chucked on the table. When I would say it's not that he wants big money to be spent. He's just very specific about the people he wants. Mm. So what I've done here is I've taken down every transfer that Paratici and Conte made together in their times at Juventus. By the way, um, just before you... Yeah. We do, it's somewhat laughable that we can as well that this idea of well all he does is come in and win stuff and fucks off yeah. like Spurs are in any sort of position to go well I don't want that yeah. <laughs> you know, I can understand that, why even. maybe a, a different club might go I'm not sure that's the right direction for us Spurs it's fucking play with house money at this point Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess we're under no illusion he's not winning the league at Spurs is he but it's whether no. he no. has enough about him to win the Cups well the thing is I think his first and only cup, if I'm not mistaken, was that FA Cup with Chelsea, because obviously he was like an absolute specialist at winning leagues, but never won a cup competition before. Obviously losing to Arsenal the year before that. So, fingers crossed, (laughs) that continues. So, 
the transfers that he did do, and I think and Sean can correct me if I'm wrong here, Spurs put kind of half a briefing out when they were doing their business in the summer that they were trying to look towards younger talent. There was going to be somewhat of a rebuild there. They were a lot more vocal with it, actually, than I think Arsenal were when they brought in uh, Brian Gill. Um, is that fair, Sean? That's what they were trying to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Paratici and Conte together, um, in the three seasons that they were together, um, they signed four players under the age of 23, um, and two of those they actually paid for. Um, two of them are free transfers. Um, the average age of the player he signed was 28 years old, um, and they're all from within Syria mostly. So if you're going to keep that same strategy, if they're going to be looking towards Serie A or they want kind of ready Premier League players, they're going to be spending a lot more on Premier League talent. Um, I'll rip through these. Some names will stand out. Some names won't. Um, Alessandro Matri, 14 million. Mirko Vucinic, 13 and a half. Arturo Vidal, 12 million. Great piece of business there. Fabio Qualiarella, 10 million. Lichsteiner, 9 million. Alhero Elia, 7 million. Simone Pepe, uh, Giaccarini, 7 million. Andrea Perla, 1 of 3. Not bad business. Um, the biggest deal of the lot, Quadro Asamoa for 17 million. Uh, Maurizio Isla, 13 million. Marco Gabbiadini, 10 million. Sebastian Giovinco, 10 million. Martin Caceres, 8 million. Nicholas Bentner on a free. Uh, Nicholas Anelka on a free. Pogba on a free all in one window. Um, Ogbonna, 14 million. Um, Tevez, 9 million. Berardi for 5 million. He was under the age of 21. Uh, Zaza, 3 million. He was under the age of 21. And uh, Chiro Immobile for 3 million, who was also under the age of uh, 23 at the time. So... Some stunning business in that. Yeah, there is. Um, that seems... I think if you compare it to his business at Inter, that was very a lot different he went for the veterans into where he kind of had a plug and play system kind of like what Klopp has at Liverpool um, yeah. because like you said it, obviously these discussions are happening but they've before Conte has joined if he joins we've obviously gone down that route you've got Hill you've got Pape Sarri joining next year Romero yeah. is obviously young you can't and Conte's obviously not coming for a rebuild is he so he probably wants like nice. four First team player, so it is, yeah, I guess we're going to see who he's identified and who we're actually going to go out for. But. Do you think cool. they'll do business in in January? I imagine they will. I imagine they will. They will do something in January. Obviously, you never tend to get like really big team defining moves in January, do you? But I imagine there'll there's, be a couple that come in. There's some there's some sources that say essentially some clubs just refuse to deal with Spurs in January because it's such a short window and there's so much to do. They just can't be dealing with Daniel Levy for a month when they've got so much to get on with. So, I guess that's what Paratici's been, been brought in for. I guess the only point I'd make, that's him and Conte together when they very clearly, it's they were looking for most players that are ready to play now. Because a lot of these younger guys, when you look at Immobile, you look at Berardi, um, a lot of the young players they had, they didn't do anything to Conte. They were sold for a profit after minimal game time. Whereas the the likes of Lichsteiner, Perlo, Asamoah, these guys were, were playing in the team. Obviously, they have a good enough relationship because you'd think that's part of the reason why he's coming in. 
But it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what he does. I just thought it was a point worth making because some people seem to suggest that Conte is going to be expecting like 300 million a window if he's coming into Spurs when I think he, it's more he's going to be that he's going to be quite specific over who he wants. So if you get Ashley Young next summer, you know, <laughs> you know the driving forces behind it. But maybe he turns Son into a left wing back. Maybe. Or maybe that he puts Son up top with uh, Kane, as we've seen, and we're not the first ones to suggest it, but it's always been a thing, hasn't it? Well, well, well we thought Nuno might do the 4-4-2 or 3-5-2 and play two up top together. I think, yeah, yeah. I think there's enough... <laughs> I may regret saying this, but I feel there's enough OK players in there with a competent manager to finish like in the top six or maybe seventh. And then a few more signings and then you can try and push for the top four with a good manager, I think. I think, yeah, the, the limit will be fourth and then win a cup. I don't like that it's only 18 months if I'm Spurs. It, it looks to me like he's doing a bail. He's like, right, no one good wants me at the moment. I'll come in here, get my, get my expensive gap year out, nice time in London, put my feet up. And then if Madrid or someone else wants me next year, then I'll be off. And they won't have to pay much for him, so it'll be six months left on his deal. Probably works for both parties. I was, I was about to say, that kind of works, doesn't it? If he comes in and does a good job, Spurs can go on to a manager think... they probably fancy like more within their sort of ethos, if you like, like a potter or whatever. Do you think Spurs have enough in that squad to do anything significant in a year? Well, well, well I, if we look I, at next I'd window... I'd rather he went to United, but... That, that United team, no. I'd, I'd be worried if he had that United squad. <laughs> this, yeah, I, I don't fancy that. This squad, it's like... Uh, I think the likes of us should be more worried than the likes of you boys' teams is what, is what I think is probably a fair, what, fair to say. That's it. You feel like he can give Spurs enough of an uplift to get them in and around the European places and then give them a transfer window. You'd, you'd wonder how they could look this time next year, for example. You'd be interested. Think stronger out of ours and Spurs if you had to line them all up on paper. So I, I would have said Spurs That's without too much hesitation a few weeks yeah. ago, and now starts to question it. I still <laughs> think just think about. That. I do think beyond yeah. the sort of twelve or thirteen players for you, I do think there's not a lot. Whereas Spurs have got a few that I, I'm, I'm reluctant to say it, but are quite good, <laughs> yeah. but but underperform. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you don't know how much is just names, isn't it, at this point? Yeah, I mean, realistically, Ndombele, Lasalso, and Ali could all fill in a role for someone and look great, or just maybe they're all just reputation at this stage. Sean, um, Conte is somewhat renowned in the same way that Jose is in there. It's almost like he picks someone when he comes into the team and he's like, right, I'm not going to like you. And <laughs> for the time they're at the club, much like Luke Shaw, they're going to have a misery of a time. If you had to point out someone at Spurs, um, do we take Deli Ali off the table for this? I feel it might be a bit obvious. <laughs> Too low well, hanging fruit. It's <laughs> weird that Ali, Ali's had, like, he has renaissance with both both Mourinho. He was like Mourinho's main guy for a bit, and then obviously goes off a cliff, and then same with Nuno. So I wonder if that would happen with Conte as well. He, like, would bring it's like him a in. game. Yeah, he bring him <laughs> like, in for we'll a bit, with play him. a couple of games, and then be gone again. Well, I think what we were Ali, Jose. I was to say that. So, if we take Ali off, then obviously Ndombele is going to be one, as it is for all of them. I think Ndombele could ball him, you know. I, I thought that was Jose, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah. Isn't he lazy, though? 
Not running for Nuno is a bit different to not running for Conte, isn't it? Like, there's that yeah. clip of the interview with Henri that goes around every time Conte's in a job where he says um, yeah. he'd, rather, he, he, he'd rather kill the player than have to deal <laughs> with them being a nuisance on the training ground. I saw this thing of Masonda like collapse on the pitch earlier. Yeah, as Jack put it in, I think, in our chat. Yeah, yeah that's it. I reckon Ben Davis could be the one, you know. I reckon he's, he's got a look. Look at his face and be like, yeah. Absolutely hate you. Like a supply teacher laying down the law by just going for a vulnerable looking kid. <laughs> I feel like these players have never ending contracts as well. Imagine, imagine if it's Matt Doherty, he bullies. The guy can't just can't catch a break. <laughs> I think you say in that, Sean. Do you, do you think Spurs are they just like Chelsea where they're like, right, we'll give you a new deal just because we don't want anyone else having you for free? I think so, Arsenal yeah. fans complaining about Laka going for free, and it's like the lads had three good games. In the <laughs> two really seasons, while people are saying we can't <laughs> let him go for free. He just refuses to sell him, and, then, and that, so then you just get stuck in this situation. Like we could have sold Winks for like forty million a few years ago. <laughs> Same with Eric anyone, anyone who has Sky on this evening, Calvert Lewin is on there, an absolute rascal of a suit, by the way. He's like he raided Tom Davis's uh, wardrobe, but. I think that's us done with uh, Spurs for the week, Sean. So I gather you have places to be, unless you want to stay on. I might stay on for a bit. All right, well, um, moving seamlessly on, um, Solskjaer, when asked about Nuno Sakin, said, uh, you know, it's never nice to see good men lose their jobs. Um, (laughs) So United um, got the job done on Saturday night. Um, I dare say, Goff, a similar thing happened to us when I played them, where I looked at those Arsenal players and for about a day after, I thought, these boys could win the Champions League after what I saw yesterday. <laughs> and then you, you play someone else and suddenly it's not quite the same, much like uh, Liverpool fans may have thought seeing them play against United and then Brighton, actually. Um, do you have any issue with Oli switching to five at the back? Um, I've seen some complaints from... United fans saying, obviously everything he told us over the last years was a lie. He's gone to five at the back. Um, I think it doesn't help that you thought for 48 hours that Conte could be on the way and now he's going to Spurs. Does that bother you or is it just, look, whatever you got to do to win, you, you, you do what you got to do? I think it's probably a case of he was damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't after the Liverpool game. Like if he if he'd just gone with the same, not necessarily the same tactics, but like the same formation which saw us get played off yeah. the park, then he'd have been criticised for that. So he's obviously just thought, well, sod it. I'll go out there, change the formation. If it works, it works. Great. If it doesn't, then at least I've I've made some sort of effort to change it up. Um, I think it's obviously helped that, other than Norwich, Spurs are probably the, the team you want to be playing in the league at the moment. Like, no disrespect to them, but <laughs> with, with all the stats which you rattled off earlier, that that's probably the perfect team to be playing. But yeah, it was nice to uh, to get the win. It's, it's funny seeing the managers revert to fire at the back, especially after they've kind of cursed others in the past for their like attacking football and things. It's like I see on Facebook all the time where um, you see birds tagging their blokes in um, posts about like a dodgy like reality TV show that they've obviously sworn 
they're not going to like, not going to like, and then it's been put in their face long enough that they start to like it. I think I've seen you typed in one for something like the Vampire Diaries before actually got off, um, or some reality TV, so <laughs> it could be similar there. He's done in um, that. I'll hold my hands up. It. It's not Vampire Diaries, but... Uh, yeah. But it, 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 it's five at the back. It's like, you say all you want about it until the, these managers play it once and they're like, ooh, this is, we, we can attack and we have defensive stability. Well, and for a couple of weeks until you get found out, it's like the most wonderful thing in the world. So Ollie must not have believed what he was seeing on uh, Saturday night. Well, it obviously helped that Spurs didn't even <laughs> try and attack us. That's the thing. It might have been a completely mm. different story Sun if tried. Spurs come out. Well, Sun, yeah, but if Kane had bothered turning up and some of the others, it might, like I said, it might have been a completely different story. Yeah. But, um, but see, Ollie does seem to be a master at just winning when he needs to win to keep just in the nick of time just in the nick of time it'd be interesting to see what he does tomorrow against Atalanta Atalanta whether he keeps it at five or back which I did did say this in the chat though which is he's been held as some sort of masterstroke by Oli by putting Cavani and Cristiano Ronaldo up top together (laughs) like like that may not have ever worked and it's an absolute revelation that it has these two amazing strikers I saw a tweet. They look better at the back today. with an extra man in there, one of which is Varane. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Oli used Conte's style to avoid being replaced by Conte and got someone sacked by using Conte's style who's now being replaced by Conte. <laughs> I've never seen such a bulletproof manager play 8D chess like this. What a genius. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you think this is going to be long-term, Goth? And if so, are you worried about someone like Jaden Sancho? I think Neville referred to it as uh, he could be Donny van der Beekt, which um, I'm not <laughs> sure Donny wants to be uh, catchphrased for much longer. Yeah, I, I don't think Sancho is, is going to be Donnied. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I don't think it will be a long-term thing. I think Oli's quite reactionary, isn't he, as a manager, which is how he's probably got those important results. Yeah. as and when um, yeah again I, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see the whole thing of Cavani yeah. and Ronaldo at top I think has obviously worked but that's not going to be possible two times like twice a week week in week out is it no do you think um, so if you had to put money down as to whether United would play five against City at the weekend is was that what you're expecting it wouldn't surprise me and do you think he'll do it in the Champions League as well? That, that's what I mean. Is that I wouldn't have thought he would, but it, perhaps now he will. Just if he if he's intending to go to the City game with five at the back, it might make sense to do that in the Champions League as well, just yeah. to kind of get used to the system a bit more. But yeah, that's he's definitely going to do it against City, more. isn't he? Yeah. He's definitely going to. I mean, yeah. the Champions League yeah, is debatable, so but. The, the City one, basically, you've got to just not get hammered to keep yourself in a job, probably. So. When we went into Monday's podcast, um, Ollie was evens to be the next manager sacked. Um, since since beating Spurs, he's now seven to one. He's now, I think, the fifth favourite um, <laughs> to be sacked next. So, Who's ahead of him? Uh, Dean Smith is now the current favourite to be sacked next. Who do Villa think? They, who do they think they are? Ranieri's up there. Um, oh, yeah, already. <laughs> He's well, just never like going to drift further than three or four. If you're a bookie, then I'm in big odds on a 
Watford managers be sacked is just not <laughs> yeah, doing the job. Fair. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, it's very strange. You were strange as a fan because uh, I found myself cheering on United just because I wanted to keep Ollie in a job. Little did I know I'd be sending Conte to Spurs with that. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was still very enjoyable, just everything that came out of that game. I know Ollie and it didn't sound that way on TV, but everyone there has said the way that the, the fans continued to back Ollie and were behind the team. United, if that worked in their favour previously, flipped it because they couldn't have had the team going against Spurs anymore on the day. I worry with United because I do think they were there to be got at if they weren't playing Spurs. And so as much as it felt like with Nuno, it was a case of when rather than if. It's still that with Ollie, isn't it? We're essentially just, we've just delayed the process a couple of weeks. Yeah, as as we know, he's he's a master at delaying that process. And, and let's face it, some of the stuff with the, those odds will be if Conte does go to Spurs, sort of the grim reaper on his back is kind of well, well who's going to replace him anyway yeah yeah so yeah. It's, a, it's a totally different thing then that it was kind of when people were talking about ollie going it's kind of contail busting people's minds now yeah who would it be i've been honest on the podcast about this before goff in that under the dark times with emory um there was a game we played leicester on <laughs> monday night or it was a saturday night whichever one I remember going into the game and actively rooting for Leicester to win because I was convinced, <laughs> That's so horrible. I was convinced that this was what had to be done to get the disgusted man out of the job. <laughs> was there any part of you when you saw Ollie celebrating on the touchline against Spurs that was like, is this for the best? Do I really want this? Um, no. <laughs> I've, I've since, when I've seen fans saying this with Arteta, I've looked at their tweets like, how can you root for your own team? To <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that goes slightly on what we touched slightly on last week in that with Oli, obviously because of the fact that he is a United legend as a player, you can kind of accept the fact that he's not good enough but still show him a bit of respect. If I make sense, yeah. whereas with yeah, Emery, Emery, you've got no, you've got no, no loyalty to Emery. You, if you hate the man, you hate the man. Whereas with oh, no, I really did hate the man. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think United fans have been right, absolutely brilliant with them in terms of the the level of look. We do want this guy out, but we're not going to be too far. I guess if it had been let to go a little bit longer, it probably would have been a similar thing with Lampard at Chelsea. It's just that Chelsea pulled them as soon as it started going wrong, they pulled. It. <laughs> but if they if they that sort of this, Chelsea would have had a similar thing of. Look, we know he's not the guy here, but we're not going to be. You don't have to be too brutal on him. Yeah. By the way, imagine if you could go back in time to that version of Luke there, and we go right in the future. Newcastle are going to be billionaires, and he's going to be coming back to the Prem for the Newcastle job, and Luke's going <laughs> to be supporting we're gonna, this. We're going to touch on that a bit later. Um, I saw your tweet supporting him. Couldn't believe it. Well, I, I do think the the thing that's really changed to me with him and. Uh, so we'll do a bit on Newcastle later. He's not in your club anymore. That and the the stuff with um, and I keep saying about like the talent ID, just in the way that the names I was turning my nose up at the time and the names he was really yeah, passionate to yeah. get on board, like it's it's all hits no misses. Like it, it it's insane. I think the only one is the one where he wanted 
that's the sign of Christopher Nkunku. Um, and he wasn't given the cash, and instead they went for Denis Suarez on loan, um, which turned out as mm. it did. But the, the, the players he wanted, when you look at, like, Gwen Doozy's now as much of a rat as he is. I mean, he's in the first team for France, um, and he's going to, despite the fact we've agreed to let him go for $9 million, he'll go to Juve or Bayern for about $40 million in a couple of years. You, you, you look at, um, he wanted Zaha over Pepe, and oh, I've had it with Pepe now, I'm just about finished with him. What is, is Cameo of the weekend? Oh, yeah, it's, but it's that like, wasn't fun. If you, if you were to look back, and I'm sure there is some website that does it, that can tell you all the rumours of the players linked with your clubs between a certain train, his was insane when you look at the way that they are now. Yeah. I guess that that's the only thing, is when you're looking at, I think he's got Premier League experience, He's I don't know if he's got a relegation dogfight in him. I think he's got that in him more than he's got winning the title. Think, well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> I think when you look at what he's done with um, Villarreal, I think he's happy to get his hands dirty and get stuck in, which I think Newcastle, the position they're in, is what they need now. I mean, if they can understand him, I think it'll be money. But can you I imagine... Say- are you saying that if he was Newcastle manager and he, he walked into the Emirates as Newcastle manager, you, you'd give him a stand innovation? So if, if, if it goes as we imagine it's going to happen, um, his second game in charge of Newcastle will be at the Emirates. Um, and I actually bought tickets for that game yesterday. So um, I will that's a, in, I will that's a Newcastle win. Not even, <laughs> there's no real even doubt it's that's a Newcastle win there. He knocked us out the Europa semis last year, went straight to the camera and said, good evening. The man is disgusting. Oh, come so, on. He, 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 he was owed at least that. If, 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 if we're fair, as much as the football hasn't been there, we've not been as high under Arteta until this weekend as we had yeah, under, yeah. under Emery's peak. So there is a lot to be said about um, the way you do it, I think. And uh, yeah. Poor oh, bloke, but no, he's not at our club. <laughs> When you look at the other names there, if you look at Fonseca, and I'm only literally basing this on what Evo said when he came on here and said that the guy doesn't know how to set up for like a defensive game plan. He's just all out of attack. You look at them being linked with uh, Fat Frank, and it's like, Jesus Christ, if you've got your club hanging on the brink, a guy who can't even cut it in the championship, I wouldn't fancy him being in, in charge. <laughs> I'd say Emery is the best name they've been linked with. And the most realistic because some people say, like, it's a Dan originally. But the club's in 19th. <laughs> the man has distanced himself from the United job. What's making going to go to Newcastle? I messaged my brother when the news came through. He said, Jesus Christ. I said, Look, I don't know what you're expecting. I messaged Ryan, who is also a Newcastle fan, and he's on board. So we'll see how it goes. I do have something on Arsenal next. This will work through uh, the kind of talking points of the weekend. Unbeaten in nine games now. And if we go back to when the transfer window slammed shut, Arsenal were bottom of the table. The general feeling seemed to be that Arsenal had spent the most money in the league and not actually improved. And I think that quote was said by just about every uh, journalist that's on TV. Our opinion's starting to change now, do we think? I mean, Ramsdale, we can start with. Peter Schmeichel saying he's made the, the best save of the last few seasons. Had that idiot Steve Brown message me during the game saying, oh, I don't actually think it's that good of a save. 
that's excellent. Probably save it a season. Four clean sheets, four conceded in the last seven games. He, more than anyone, opinion does seem to have really transformed on. It's crazy, isn't it? Like we're all laughing, joking. Hey, not all of us. Some bum from Sheffield has actually been exactly what you needed, which is crazy. Well, in fairness, but, according, according to Twitter, we were the only ones, apparently, who doubted them, Jack. I mean, everybody yeah, else, apparently, yeah. knew all along. <laughs> so, just me, fair enough. Just my, my view on that save in a corner is that the speed that yeah, that's it, isn't both it? came over the right, and if you watch the still with him jumping, he's completely off the ground, mid-air, and still is athletic enough to pull his arm above his head whilst in mid-air. It's just, like, the athleticism behind that save is just absolutely insane. He, so, he does do that slight shift to the right at first, which normally costs the keeper. It means they can't dive back across, but somehow he made it back across, didn't he? It, exactly. Did you see his explanation for that as well? He said no. that um, he, he's trained with uh, Madison a number of times in the 21s and just in general. Uh, and he said he likes to go keeper side. And he okay. said if he went slightly, he said he didn't want to go slightly over and just guess that way. But he said because it was so close, he didn't think he'd be able to whip it. And so he'd know pretty quickly which way it was going. Um, and so that's why he's slightly off where you'd expect him to be for um, like where the goalkeeper should be positioned. I've watched the save more times now than I'd care to admit. And um, there's something new you're seeing each time. And I know it's all the things that you just... It's almost like peeling peel orange here down the mic. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the things that you should do as a, as a keeper. I know it's like your job to save it. But just little things like when he's in the air and he's obviously realised to himself that he's going to save it, his head's like swivelled in midair trying to see where the ball's going to go when he powers it back down. The, the strength of hand he gets to it to not only get to it, but keep it out. And thankfully, Partey's there to clear the ball away afterwards because we wouldn't be saying much about it if uh, they then tap it in afterwards. That would have been brutal. <laughs> like, Brendan Rodgers has got his hands in the air celebrating a goal. Uh, Madison has his hands in the air. Arteta's got his head down because he's just convinced it's going in all in that split second. He, my dad texted me during the game saying... It was just one of them where, like, he was never going to be beaten on Saturday, no matter what you yeah, did to him. Yeah, yeah, he was. And all I could think was it would be the most Arsenal thing ever for him to chuck it into the net um, <laughs> as the game went on. Um, did, did Bet365 keep giving anyone else free bets on the Premier League every week, by the way? Because I keep getting a little pop every Friday, and at 2-0 up, all I could think was, we're definitely not winning this game. And I tried to reverse jinx it by chucking it on Leicester, which worked. Um Congrats. He, well, just the saves in general, like little things. Like there was one where um, Johnny Evans and Vardy both tried like shoving him in the air. And if that's Burn Leno in there, he just kind of accepts it. And Ramsdale got up and gave him a bit back. Mm. I'm sure you've seen the clip of uh, the Leicester fans giving it the uh, your yeah. and him doing it along with them after he's kicked the ball. I heard Roy Keane talking about the United team on Saturday and he said sometimes all you need is a couple of characters in the dressing room. And Ramsdale, for all of what he's done on the pitch, he, he does seem just like a good character to be in there when you look at the absence of leaders when we relied on David Luiz last season, which says quite a lot. The way he's come in, 
started commanding the defence. I don't know who the cameraman was that kept panning to Leno after every good save. I thought that was quite hard. Savage, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he he was just every time they looked like it should be a goal on Saturday, he was there. And uh, yeah, I'd kill for that man now. <laughs> if he's if he's not number one at the Euros. Uh, um, at the World Cup, sorry, next year, then Southgate is an idiot because he's clearly <laughs> not abiding by what he says. You can't have tiny hands in goal when you've got Ramsdale there. <laughs> the distribution, it was off in the second half, but the the way he fizzes it out directly in people's feet rather than just hoofing it up the pitch. I'd, yeah. He's unfortunate Pickford actually doesn't even have to play and still gets picked. So yeah. That's tricky. He, he's, he's been sensational. And I think opinions, as, as you've said there, people are now trying to distance themselves from the, why are people doing this? I think one of the journalists tried sticking it on Chris Sutton and saying, you, you said, why are Arsenal signing him? And he was like, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I did think that. And I think I was quite fair to think it when you yeah. saw what, yeah, yeah. what we'd seen previously. Um, he did then try saying, look, we've got a long season to go yet, so uh, I wouldn't be getting too excited just yet, so cheers for that. Um, Kieran Tierney's been obviously the most important player for Arsenal, quite literally to the point they created an entire formation where he doesn't have to defend and the midfielder can't be in the middle of the park. We've been without him for the last three games now, and Nuno Tavares has stepped in. I know... You, you, I think you saw the last week or the week before TK. You said that you quite like the look of him. Mm, yeah, he, yeah, he looks him, like an absolute maniac. <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried when I first saw him that I like the look of him, but it was mainly going forward, so I didn't know how well he could defend. And the last time that had happened to an Arsenal player was Kolasinac, and that yeah. didn't turn out <laughs> so fun. So, but this guy does look does look the goods. I think it's helped that we've moved away from this formation that I just referenced where I've said it a million times before, quite simply, it's that Tierney is almost like a left midfielder and then the guy who was Xhaka in that position when we're in possession of the ball drops into the left-back slot and it turns into being a four at the back again. And it, I think it just made it so obvious what we were trying to do that every team would just double or triple the players down the right-hand side. And so when Tierney's running into it, he was just, there was nothing there. And some Arsenal fans have been turned on it this season, which you look at his <laughs> level of performance compared to the others. It's, yeah, I think he, he, it's just that he's looked a bit of a better defender this season, Tierney, without what makes him so great. And I mean, they say he's, I think he's having some of those, they keep saying ankle, but it sounds like he's having those hip problems again at Celtic where he just hurts him to run. So that's why it was so important we got a left back in. If we can get a bit more discipline in the Tavares' game, then might be in a similar situation to what you have with uh, Simicast, where yeah, other yeah, teams true. might start sniffing around and he might fancy some more first-team football. Rip through the other ones that we had. Um, Lukonga in the middle, bounced back from the mistake against Crystal Palace. And uh, I thought it looked good in there next to Thomas Party on Saturday. Tommy Asu at the back. I said on deadline day that for better or worse, him and Emerson Royale were going to be compared by the fact that both were brought in right at the end of the window, both playing the same position. I don't think I'm even being biased where I say, at the moment, I know which one I'd rather have in my team when you compare both their starts to the Premier League. I mean, 
maybe Sean will be able to speak about Emerson Royale better than I will, but I've seen him and he looks... Uh, like, like, it's a fairly classic case of wants to go forward, I don't know how much he wants to defend, whereas Tommy Asu is a defend first and foremost guy, isn't he? Yeah. But it, I mean, kind of brutal for Royale walking into that Spurs team at the minute, I guess, is the tricky yeah. thing. Well, I've heard... Uh... I've heard, again, I guess you, this is classic football, isn't it? You get it with every fan base. But I have heard some rumours about some Arsenal fans not liking Tommy Asu or thinking he's not up to it. No, I've, saw, I've seen some dissent towards him. I, saw, the, and what, I can't remember what game it was, but I saw it was some the going, um, but... Brighton game where Cucurella had him on toast, didn't he? Right. But even then, it was nil. going to have games so, like that as well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he got off to a rough start because of that idiot. Cave on Sky, who's been very quiet actually, um, considering Tommy Asu's I, I think that actually helped him. It did. Because I think even uh, certainly Arsenal fans on the side immediately, but I think even other fans was caught like, well, let's see what this guy can do before you judge him. And everyone knows Cave's an idiot. <laughs> so you're, I saw you're kind of, that. it's a little bit like if Piers Morgan slates you, you've kind of actually yeah. had a good start to something because <laughs> everyone's going to think, well, I'm not mad going to disagree with him. When the old tweet got dug up with him there. Uh, I think he's, he's such a slimy fucking blow that Morgan honestly getting pictures with him I hate him yeah with um, the cover thing I saw it got brought up on that um, Filthy Fellas podcast which obviously does big numbers and they were just quoting it like oh because Cave said this and so. they clearly didn't even send the bloke play I only knew him for the football manager and he's a loyal servant to me on there but no he, he looks well, but they quoted him as a, well, if Cave said it, then <laughs> maybe said, we've signed oh, the well, dirty. Do you not hear what he said? And they were just quoting it as facts. Like, Fucking I hell. Don't know, I don't know in what world people believed an agent would talk shit on their player and ask Cave to find them a club. But I don't know <laughs> what goes through these people's heads. Like, I don't know why that conversation would ever take place. No, he, he looks, even in the game against Brighton where it's his worst game he's had, I still wasn't looking at him like we're definitely conceding. It was just like, you're having a rough game. If we had someone better than you, I'd swap you. But I don't think Callum Chambers is, is a better pick. Maybe I think higher of him because Cedric and Callum Chambers are the better options. I don't know. Ben White, obviously, since the uh, Brentford game the bad results that we've had, Chelsea and City aside, if you just kind of put them to one side because they're freaks. Drawing with Brighton doesn't look such a bad result. Drawing with Palace doesn't look such a bad result. And losing to Brentford with half a team doesn't look so bad either. So I think context in time has been added to some of those and they don't look quite so bad as they did. Ben White and Gabriel look like the perfect partnership to have alongside each other now. Yeah, I think Gabriel in particular is playing well. Um, I saw someone ask, is Gabriel world-class? I don't know what you think about that. Probably he, probably just because of the team he's been in. I don't think we can call him it so far, but I think if he carries on no. this sort of form, I, th- I think you'd have you'd probably go with it. I think, yeah. In I a different team, he'd, he'd look money, wouldn't he? Let's face yeah. it. Uh, if you were in a lab building like the perfect centre-back, he has everything that you would put in there. The fact he's fast, Left-footed's always a bonus these days. Strong, aggressive, coming out with the ball, um, like aerially. Not too bad with the ball at his feet. Looks a lot worse when he was next to Rob Holding than he does next to Ben White and David Luiz. I think in a different partnership, he'd be the. I think he'd be seen as the ball playing centre back in a different partnership. Yeah. I think he's good enough on the ball that he would be. It's just Ben White's 
that's kind of his game. And as has been pointed out, isn't the most physical, but he's good on the ball. He did the same against uh, Leicester as he did against uh, Villa, where early doors he has that big run through the pitch and it just tells like, the opposing mm. team, yeah, you're in trouble today. I don't have much more on Arsenal, but a win against Leicester, when you consider how we're being considered this season by Arsenal fans as well as others, is quite a statement, Leicester away, when you think what they did to United a couple of weeks back. They looked like they were just starting to come into some form. I thought, oh, and I wasn't expecting much from the result. I texted you as much beforehand. I think that's quite a statement that we put in on Saturday. It was. I, I feel like I'm sort of Leicester were parade every time you win. Yeah, they were hideous. I mean, I felt like I spent 85 minutes watching Evans and Soyuncu turning like lorries on the ball, looking left and right, and just never picking a pass. And the only person who would drop to get the ball off of him was Samaro, who, oh my God, made Fred look like a ball player. Do you, two do you two times he found touched. I was thinking, what are you doing? Do you think he's one of them, and it is early on, I know, where, and we've said this with players before, you look at them and you're like, why has no one else gone for them? Like, he's so cheap, he's so easily available, Leicester had a free run at him, and then he's, he's not played much, but the games you have seen, it's been like, okay, maybe this is why. <laughs> like, yeah, he's not it, setting the games a lot, is he? No, it could be. I, I felt somewhat bad for him in that, again, he was the only one showing for the ball. And he was yeah. the only one dropping in. If you look at, and that's clearly not his game. His game is to break up the play and keep it simple. They're yeah. trying to get him on the spread. I think, as good as I think he is, and I know this isn't his game, I think it's incumbent upon Tillemans to a sense that, look, I'm going to have to get on the ball a bit here. Yeah. And I thought he shied away from it a little bit. And I thought Rogers got it wrong, taking off Madison when he did. Not because he was playing well, just because he'll at least go looking for the ball. And I thought he ended, up with, like that. he ended up with, obviously, um, Bakary and Acho and Vardy at top, all three yeah. are good, but it's kind of, it was too many cooks, really. And they were just kind of cut off because nobody was getting on the ball for Leicester. They, the I win, don't know, sort of timid in possession. It was weird. The win we, we had against Villa, they set up in that almost like a 3-5-2 or 3-4-1-2. Um, and the one thing you can say about Arsenal, they, they've fallen over the line a couple of times, but we start lightning fast. And every manager said it when they yeah. spoke about it yeah. after, and they're like, we need to start well. And they played the exact same formation that we absolutely bullied Villa with. They, it was the best performance we'd had all season. And when you play that formation, if you aren't getting forward, then you just get pushed back. And I thought it was... You, um, you can't get out. And we started so fast. I thought it was kind of... Uh, I guess you can see it as either arrogant or naive. But I think there was an element of, if we are we play our game, we'll beat them. Which yeah. clearly wasn't the case. Because they played it against United, that team. And obviously did what yeah. they did. But you got to realise, like, it's horses for courses. And, and it was easy enough to see with Villa the blueprint yeah. on what not to do against Arsenal, I thought. By the way, I actually, I was watching it thinking the a lot of the criticism and we've brought up here that it gets levelled at Spurs. I think you can throw to a lot of those Leicester players. I think there's a lot of people there fairly comfortable with being quite good. And I don't think they're that bothered about losing games. They lose to Arsenal. I don't think, I was looking there's at a lot of those clip. players... Yeah, that's probably fair. I, I look at him, and it, may, maybe Vardy might, but there was one where um, Schmeichel kind of was looking at people like trying to get them pumped up, and none of them was doing anything. He's ended up just punting one right up straight down to uh, yeah. it's gone all the way to Ramsdale at sheer frustration. I kind of felt like he was probably the only one, and that's never good when it's the goalie, that was really bothered about the fact that they were losing. There's a clip of the tunnel cam that they released, um, and it's that one where it's well, as I said, the tunnel, it's like just as you come in the dugout and you get the kind of pure reactions. 
I do think it's a bit strange because uh, the Arsenal players, and I guess you get this all the time, are proper in there when they're walking side by side along the Leicester players, saying, come on, get in, all this. And the Leicester players are kind of like dapping up the Arsenal players and, and this and that. And there's a point where Madison stops in the tunnel. And I know we had the links with him in the summer, so maybe he was thinking, what, what could have been? But he, he was just looking around like, how have we let this happen? Like, he's just stopped. <laughs> While everyone else is just kind of getting on with it, he's he's really confused by like what's going on here. And I thought, as much the comparison was going to be made, if the transfers we've made, Erdegaard since the goal against Burnley has probably been the weakest. So I thought he did a job when he came on on Saturday, but obviously you thought he'd be the first man uh, on the team sheet. But in this formation, it's it's tough to get him in. Um, probably the only one who's lost out by Smith Rowe being so good is probably him. Yeah, and Smith Rowe is kind of showing him levels at the moment. Exactly. The last, the last thing I had on this um, was the red card decision because we saw this same challenge in three games this weekend. And I've seen some say that none of them are red, they're all bookings, some are red, some are bookings. When the one happened to, so it's Johnny Evans on a Bamiang's, the first one we saw this weekend. Mm. Ball gets played long from Ramsdale. Bamiang looks like he's got the right side of Evans and he's slipped him and Evans picks him up and essentially slams him. It's like a wrestling move in the end. Mm. At the time, I was kind of, it was almost like the orange card kind of realm where you're like, it doesn't feel like a red, but it also feels like it's more than a booking. Mm. And then when you Agreed. saw it back and they had, they had like the side camera and he was quite literally last man. I don't know if they take into account the player's that are involved because you would think Johnny Evans' last man, a Bamiang there, he's not catching a Bamiang, is he? Like he's no. not catching probably our slowest man in that position. I don't know if that comes into it at all, but I think that's I thought what... when they delayed it a bit, like I think this could be a red here because he's quite clearly last man. Yeah, I think it is one of those where that really does come down to the ref or the BAR in the day, doesn't it? Because like you got to take all those con- all those things into consideration. We're still talking about it a few days after the fact, and no one's really concrete on whether what it is. I mean, I think you're right. It probably was a red. We saw a similar one. Chelsea. I thought of all the so, ones this weekend. I thought that was the most red worthy. I thought. Yeah. If, you were, if you were going to, I thought that was ironically. You then had the Laporte one. I knew Laporte had been sent off, and then I saw the kind of commotion and. As much as I do think some teams get more calls than others, and Goff won't like to hear this, someone has done a thing of um, like penalties given over the years in United's is like plus 18. That's all, it's 2018 and everyone else's. It's actually 2018, not 2008, like the graphic said. But United it is far ahead, and there's so many people. I think I posted out saying, like, why? What's the difference? People are like, well, one's Arsenal, I thought. Bit easy. easy. The problem is, you, you'll get like, um, you'll get like, uh, what's it, like a, a Peterborough fan will go, well, it's Peterborough, isn't it? It's like, Nobody has an agenda against no. Peterborough, mate. Calm yourself down. <laughs> but this I, know, I know your club is the most important thing in your mind, but trust me, no one else gives a shit. Did you see that tweet about Nuno from a Bristol City fan, I think it was? Calm the one. Yeah. Yeah, it's him celebrating a goal yeah. sent to the stands. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, 
Phenomenal. If only Nuno knew this is what it would have been. <laughs> when they sh- when it went and you kind of heard that VAR were taking a look at it, I thought, I think we could be in the money here. And that would essentially have killed the game at that point, 2-0 up and they're down to 10 men. But I, I don't know. It was Michael Oliver, usually I think he's the one you can trust the most of all the referees. Mm, yeah, probably so. But because we won, I didn't think too much of it. Then I saw the Palace one and I thought, I get why it's a red, but I thought our one was worse than that. And then you yeah. see the one in the Villa game, which is probably the weakest of the lot. I thought the red probably should have been the elbow earlier in the play. It did and feel like they got red. the wrong one, didn't it? Yeah, and then yeah, it's I've... like, well, what, what's the basis here? Because if we're just saying you're the last man and you fouled, it's a red, then it doesn't make any sense. If I you take the, the argument two out... I thought the arguments that could be applied against the other two just couldn't be applied in the Arsenal one was the thing. So, for example, with the the Bowen one, if you say it's not a red, presumably it's because you think it's a little bit wider the goal, yeah, not necessarily an automatic goal scoring chance. Uh, with the City one, it does look the fullback probably getting back in, and there's not a lot in it from Laporte as well. Uh, whereas this, obviously, there's a lot of contact with Evans. It's right down the middle. Aubameyang looks like he's getting on the end of this ball. It's not like one of those ones where. Okay, the defender fouls him, but he was never reaching that ball anyway, or the goal he was going to get there first. I think it was he's probably going to, so he's in on goal. I've, of all of them, I thought that was probably the one it was hard to argue with if they did give a red and, and he didn't give it. He's not even like made it slide like he could be going for the ball either. Like it's as long no. as it could possibly no. be. I don't know. I think um, we'll probably hear more about it. They're probably one of them where the next time it happens, we'll know what has been said in the meetings and it's either going to be they're taking a softer stance and they'll allow it or they're going to go the opposite way and you're going to get far more of these where it may have been touch and go previously and you're going to get that red slapped out now because to have three instances in the same weekend and have different outcomes for them isn't a good look for the FA who are trying to kind of come across uh, sorry the uh, PGMOL who are trying to keep themselves looking squeaky clean this season they're probably going to go down a very definite route, aren't they? One way or the yeah. other. So, there we go. Um, if we do Liverpool next then, so I think when we see uh, Liverpool take a two-goal lead, if you were, I don't know, maybe you were streaming a random game, not that any of us would do that, maybe uh, you had a bet on or whatever, you'd probably feel quite content and you could turn off the score updates for that game once Liverpool have gone 2-0 up. Obviously, that, that wasn't the case. Um TK, I don't know what you made of it. I saw earlier in the day you were saying that there was, I think Sky did a promo, didn't they? Um, about Chelsea, Liverpool, and someone else to win. And you said Liverpool. Are one. You, you, yeah, you wouldn't trust yeah. there. <laughs> Two out of three. Yeah, 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 crazy. Um, I didn't know if this was just Liverpool fans. Obviously, you don't have to worry about losing too often. So maybe this was just one of them where. Fans were getting a little bit antsy for reasons they didn't need to, or if you truly thought they'd cause you some danger. But you well, must have a, thought... At 2-0, yeah. Obviously yeah. at 2-0, I thought, wow, well, you know, we're going through... A, and a goal and it, allow, wasn't it, for three? Yeah, and the nature of the way we were playing as well, it looked like Brighton set to try and counter us, and that hadn't worked, so I kind of thought, well, there you go then. Um but I, I guess my reason for, as well as just a natural fan pessimism you have going into pretty much any game, um, was that I did think 
I've, and I've touched on it a couple of weeks on here that we haven't really got ourselves together as a defensive unit yet, as good as we have been going forward. And I thought if anyone's going to be able to expose that, Potter will find a way of doing it. And, and sure, in the second half, he did kind of work it out. And that was, I guess, one of the more damning things about United, I said about the week before, that they've been able to play for our midfield with relative ease, yeah, but just thrown in a couple of goals for us and got destroyed in the end. Whereas Brighton hung in there and quickly found that they were able to get through the midfield as well. And were at one point in the game, it was a 10-minute spell where they looked like they could score as many as they wanted. Do you think Klopp knows who his second best centre-back is? I feel he wants it to be Canate, but he's not quite sure. Yeah, um, I think he knows it's Matip, uh, but wants it to be probably one of Gomez or Canate. I don't know what, I don't know what he's got against Matip, but um, I think he's trying to... He's probably been... And it's one of those things, as the boys have touched on, where you don't know how much it's just fans talking, but supposedly that... The, the staff have been amazed by Kanata in training and they think this guy's going to be, you know, the next guy. Uh, so I'm assuming he's probably seen that and trying to force him into there. But the, well, the results speak for himself. Him, yeah. The price yeah, but, and he was spoken up to be like the guy. Yeah. The tricky thing being what, he's 22? So if yeah. for now, you know, the, the staff speaks for themselves that Matip van Dijk is the, the most formidable partnership although Gomez's record is pretty great as well, um, then you go with that for me. Um, I don't know why he changed it, but... Someone it, else uh, is rustling there. I don't know who it is. All over the top of you uh, speaking there. Goff will not as well. It's so like it's someone's not wading, wading through long grass. <laughs> Goff was on mute, so it wasn't him. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, with, yeah, with Canate, um, it's strange because Joe Gomez is obviously good enough to be starting for England, as uh, Klopp's told us, but he's not so sure about starting for Liverpool. And that is great. You've got all the makings of, when you look at Trent, obviously we know who Trent is, we know who Robertson is, like, you shouldn't really be conceding, you shouldn't really be conceding goals, but, like, your defensive record should almost be better than your attack, you'd say, when you look at some of the pieces you've got on paper. It's just whether... Klopp feels he has to rotate them, whether he knows who he wants it to be. There's a lot of variables, aren't there? I, I yeah, I mean, he'd almost benefit from an injury to someone, so he had to give a run of games. Don't say that. <laughs> but you know, we get, had it before. Like, Matt Phillips, Reese Williams, what you're saying, lads, you're back in again. It works out nicely. Just in Arsenal, I saw it where Czech got injured and it paved nicely. Leno to stake the claim of like I'm the guy now. Well, um, yeah, let's face it, Arteta's basically had to have this back four forced upon him, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, and eventually it's, it's clicked for him. The penny dropped. For the first time in years, yeah, I know if the pieces are there, I know who the back four is going to be. Yeah, exactly. With, exactly with you, we, we know three and four. It's just who the fork is going to be. And as you said, Matip hasn't really done anything wrong, but it may be you've got some uh, shinier toys there who. I'd rather have him. That is exactly it. Showing your toys, isn't it? It's a problem he's kind of created for himself by putting Kanati in there. Uh, but but then it's it's not as simple as that in terms of obviously we know the fullbacks like to get forward and probably if you're going to go to this Liverpool team, the best chance is to try. You're going to have to be brave and risk it, but trying to get in behind those two and expose those centre backs down the, down the sides, your best bet probably. And Brighton Rivers did that a couple of times. I've seen funny you say about Tierney. There's been 
some movement from some Liverpool fans, again, on line fans, but saying that Robertson should be dropped for Shim- uh, Simicast, saying whether right. that be needs, needs a rest or whatever, but just that um, Simicast look good and people keep bringing up the record of the games he's played as well. Look at the games he does play and you'll, you'll see yeah. a correlation. Do you know what I mean? I, I do think that the main thing is the midfield, though, to be honest. I don't think that the defence is the biggest issue. I think Fabinho being out... United Cates are starting games, isn't he? Sorry? Maybe Cates has been starting games. Well, he, he started and then got a shock horror. Um, <laughs> and Fabinho has obviously been injured. And again, not to... Sorry, Goff, I'm sort of... A, keep going on United here. But the fact they weren't able to expose that Fabinho was out, I thought was one of the, the worst ones. And Brighton were able to do that. Henderson can drop in there and do a job, but he's not the same. Um, and I, let's face it, we haven't replaced Wijnaldum either. So people are trying to pick up this role. And whether it be Cater, who's a bit of a liability, bit of a liability. Uh, Jones, who's obviously still a young player and is an attacking midfielder, really, he's having to learn the defensive side of the game. And Ox, who's just come in from the cold, I don't think anyone's quite managed to sort of muster it yet. And Milner, who's see? 45. That picture of worked it pads. I almost didn't believe it was that small. Because, like, I've seen it before and used to have it with Wiltshire when he'd be injured all the time. And people would say, well, why does he still run with the ball like that? And it's like, <laughs> that's a bit harder to change. Kato's shin pad seems one where, if you're an injury-prone player, this is a slightly easier one to fix. <laughs> a player is just, it's the same thing with Grealish, isn't it? Just that I think they're comfortable, they're not comfortable with bigger shin pads, so they go with that. It's, I guess it's I... the choice you've got to make. Is it, You think you're going to play better without them, but you are going to risk injury, I guess. I've seen some clips in the... Um the last weeks or so and I think they must be old of some kind of um, series that it looked like Robertson and Trent were doing where they were just recording themselves chatting in the car and I don't know yeah, the wingbacks is that what it is I've only seen clips like on Twitter and yeah, yeah. TikTok and things like that is this a regular thing or is it something they did once and this was a thing a little while back I can't remember how many episodes I think it was six or seven maybe eight uh, and it, it was really good to be fair. Good, it was funny. Yeah. But now, and now they've um, responsible someone. I can't remember who the sponsor was that they did it for. But um, but now they're doing like a season two, but they're getting like a load of different people doing it. And I okay. kind of feel like, all right, I'm sure some of these will be enjoyable. But you've kind of had something yeah. that's kind of small and good with Trent and Robbo here, and you're trying to make it uh, a massive thing with various people, which probably won't work as well. But there we are. It's a bit of a, like cliche something that like, oh, all these guys are just like us. They're so relatable, but. Some of the stuff when you were hearing them chat about it, like just hearing, um, I think it was Trent talk about uh, old Megan Fox in Transformers. <laughs> they we definitely heard people having that exact same conversation. <laughs> like, yeah, they were great. Times when we were at school, and some of the some of the references they'll give like other squad members are great. It's just like two mates talking about someone else, a different mate that they Fox had, taking ages to get turning up two hours late. So he has to have a massage before a night out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that is all that. Uh, yeah, it's actually really good, actually. I think he referred to um, Trent as uh, being the tightest player in the Liverpool squad. Because the look of offence on Robertson's face when uh, Trent's trying to ask him to have a game of rock, paper, scissors to uh, see who's going to pay for petrol. <laughs> <"Can't> <laughs> petrol, what you think I <laughs> Sensational. Is it something that is going to come back to bite Liverpool? even more do you think because I guess shipping goals to Atletico 
it, it is Atletico, it is the Champions League. Like this should happen at this level. Um, not so much the conceding goals to Brentford, but there seemed to be almost an acceptance after, like, oh, a good game, wasn't it? Like these things happen, rather than we can't allow this to happen again. We can't be conceding this many goals. I don't know if it's something that's looking at behind the scenes or or what it is, but there doesn't seem to be like Klopp sees it as a huge issue or anything like that. No, it does seem to be remarkably calm, doesn't it? It seems a strange one. I think I said after the Brentford game, there's a lot of sort of the romance of, oh, what a great league this is, what a great yeah. end-to-end game. Yeah, that is true. But also from our point of view, you should probably be able to shop, shop a little bit. We're kind of um, not at the stage where we are with early Klopp, where it was kind of, we're going to have to score more than you because we're going to concede a load. But in a probably somewhere between that and when we're at our absolute best, where it was kind of a little bit, you still have these spells where we were crazily open. And we're having too many games like it where you'll have a 10, 15 minute spell where it is just a basketball game. You can't really do that all the time because you're going to come unstuck. And you contrast that with, you say, will it cost us? I think it potentially will when you contrast it with, say, what Chelsea do. I was about to do that. They, like, they can just manage a game a lot better. That's all City at the minute, actually, as, as well, in fairness, where you're back. If the three, three of those teams don't play well, you'd always back Chelsea to still get a result. Whereas the, the other two, I don't think you can really say that at the minute. Well, it's different, isn't it? You, you don't just have one of the teams to have a look at. And yeah, with yeah, what, what you said there, I mean, Chelsea have Lukaku out at the moment. I keep seeing a big fuss about Pulisic being out. I feel like that's just kind of part of the course if you're it's a no Chelsea fan or manager. Yeah, um, like Mount was out on Saturday. Like, Werner's out as much as he gets stick. He's, he's a threat. I took least, a minus four to get Mount in my fantasy team and then looking, he's not even playing. <laughs> oh, Christ. Foden, I, get, I get Foden in as well and he stinks at the place. Palace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack, I think... this must be, you must be bored as a Chelsea fan. It's just It's just too easy. I don't know. I'm like, I'm caught in between the fact that like I saw this really good debate. Like Stan Conamore had his pants pulled down a little bit. Where I didn't realize that was Stan, by the way. Yeah, like, there, there was a debate going. Is there a car between, involved? <laughs> there was um, a debate going on between what's more sustainable: Liverpool's front three scoring the way they are, or Chelsea spreading their goals across the entire team and still getting away with it because. Like, you look at our team, and I think we've got about four or five joint top scorers all on four goals, which is, like, crazy. Reece James is one of them, isn't he? Yeah, Reece James. Hey, look, Aubameyang's outscoring Lukaku, but the media won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> the and agenda. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's really odd. You've got Lukaku, I think you've got Jorginho on four, James on four, Chilwell on four, a few others. And, like, the goals are coming from our defenders. Like, I'm caught in this two minds where this is looking really good, but if our defenders stop scoring, then what the fuck happens then? So... I think it's just because Lukaku's out. Well, even probably nursed an injury before that. Even before he had his injury, he, I think he went four games in a row without scoring. And, um, like, knowing the Chelsea number nine curses I do, like... <laughs> um, I don't it, think it's ever a negative if... You've got more players scoring. In fact, it no. used to be a point of praise under Wenger as we'd have similar. And like that. Well, well, this, it's, this, it's, the more, the better. This was the debate that was going on between like, if Salah drops off in form, people were arguing, obviously, that Chelsea are going to have more goals coming from more places. But, I mean, 
at the moment it's all looking rather good, I have to say. Um, there isn't really many cause for for worry yet. But I mean, we've got we got most of our tough games out of the way at the start of the season as well. Mm. Yeah, we've had like a really good run, whereas May Knight had it the other way around. They had all their easy games at the start, and now they're going into their tough run. So they weren't easy for United. Well, no. <laughs> But um, yeah, we've got like a run of easier fixtures, but then we've got a horrific period over January where we play Leicester City and Liverpool in the space of about 10 days, um, which could fuck us up a little bit. But yeah, it's, I think like just the general play, the dominance of the games, how assured we are looking at the back. Only one goal conceded from open play in the whole season so far, the other two were pens. I think that's the big thing with you say about the goals. I think even if the goals do dry up for you, you, you won't lose many games because you can keep people out. And yeah. if you can do that and score the odd goal, that's probably going to be what wins you the title, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And when you have a squad as big as Chelsea do have, I, I guess Tuchel can't complain too much at having some forced rotation because he's keeping everyone happy. Well, this is the thing that like, we absolutely battered Newcastle at the weekend with... A midfield of Loftus Cheek, Barkley, and then up front we had Mason. Mental. Uh, we had Mason. Ah, uh, not Mason. Man, um, Callum Hudson Odoi playing really well, and then you got Reese James and Chilwell on the wings. I mean, that's just great for the England team, really. But how the hell Ross Barkley and Loftus Cheek have made? That's good for the that's England team. That's insane. sixth choice against midfield. I have no idea. They're Isn't staying it? the hell away from England. <laughs> I just find it crazy that Barker goes into the season without even being given a shirt number and now he's playing regularly for Chelsea. It's just... That that is um what we just... will get more game time than Sancho. Who would have thought that, Christ? Yeah. What we've just said about Liverpool's defence is I, I think things had got too easy to pop and he just needed a reason to things were a bit too boring having Matic in there, so he's just spreading it apart now and as I, I used to say with Barca, it's like they would squeeze one shit player into their team because they would almost want to be like how good are we that we can get someone in? <laughs> where, they would, we, where they would like weirdly sign like Thomas Vermaelen and they would just have him in there or, or I mean even now they like the likes of Martin Braithwaite but I swear he could go for the squad now because he, he's like how good of a manager am I that I can win with Ross Barkley play yeah, there's, no, there's no other reason for it <laughs> no, it's even Loftus Cheek because I don't know how many lives that man's had, but somehow still. I think, like I said to you, he was our most important player running up to that Europa League final and got injured horrifically in that postseason friendly. I'm really glad to see uh, there is a player in it and he's actually coming out of his show a little bit. I think, again, it's one of those where we were talking about players earlier where when he was playing at Fulham on loan, he's kind of thinking, where are my options? Whereas now he has constant options and he looks a much better player for it. The, the new football manager, when you, when you start the game, um, Chelsea are willing to let um, Loftus-Cheek go for £3.4 million. Oof. And they are desperate to get rid of him because I brought <laughs> him in as a bench warm for Newcastle. Um, I bring, think... him on, bring him on every now and then for Joe Willock. <laughs> I think as well, like, looking at the quality of goals from Reese James, I think what footballer he's turning out to be. He's no mighty target. <laughs> and Matty Cash, wasn't it? I was going to say, it was Matty Cash. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I get mixed up. I haven't got the right Matty. But, yeah, the, the quality of those finishes are just 
unbelievable. Like that left footed drive right into the top corner past all those players. It and was like watching a prime Glenn Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and you think it's one of those yeah, where. Trunk is. Yeah, exactly. You think he's one of those where that's like one in a million, like he's never doing that again. And he goes and just nails one in from the front and corner, even if the keeper was there, I don't think he's saving it. So, yeah, it's all looking really rosy, really pleased. I mean, can you, ma- no can you imagine being Rhys James when he must have logged on Twitter and just seen everyone like, how is Rhys James starting over Trent for England? Like, how is this a thing? You having to probably worth being Trippier. Get on with it. Feel, feel like Trippier got the worst heat. <laughs> it's so weird. Isn't Trippier it? counting his lucky stars. He didn't end up at United. <laughs> I find that debate like we were about who is it, Trent or James, and it's Trippier that starts the whole tournament. Like it, that was an odd one, but yeah, I don't know what they must do in in the England camp because um, you got this um, Johnson has come through at West Ham now at right back. We love a right back. Just one unreal coach. I mean, you've got... Because Lampsy's obviously come back to on fire at Brighton as well. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Midfielder these days. Yeah, Yeah, well. Wan um, where he's changing his nationality because he's given up. Doing a Greenwood. (laughs) There we go. Um, How's with Chelsea and I can't... Oh, yeah. I saw, and um, we saw this um, with uh, Jack the other week when I brought the debate up, and I saw a Chelsea fan trying to have the uh, Salah-Hazard debate again. And he was oh, saying, what, what you've got to understand is, um, like, Salah is the better footballer, but Hazard is the better baller, and the real ones know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny thing is, you, should, you say that, I was speaking to a Liverpool fan in the week, and he said exactly the same thing. <laughs> maybe he tweeted it. Salah, was, maybe he did. Well, yeah. I saw this uh, in a video, but it was. Like... It is, I, I, I can kind of see where he's coming from because I'm sure you can. He's a, he's a better FIFA Street player. Yeah. Hazard's problem was that he just wanted to have fun. He had absolutely no drive <laughs> to be the, world, the, the world's best. Lumbering but, that cake behind him. <laughs> that, he, he, wanted to eat, he wanted to eat his burgers. And he just wanted to play like ridiculously sexy. Look, I respect that. Whereas. whereas Salad like is an absolute goal machine. You can tell he's motivated by numbers because he wants to score every single game, and he can be selfish in some departments, but at the moment it's working for him. Whereas Hazard, he just want to make mugs of people. There's like so many just amazing clips. The one I always come back to is one where he sits Zabaleta down by doing a couple of shimmers and just runs past him. Yakubu came out today and said uh, that how can you call Salad the best ever African Premier League player when um Dropper exists because he scored goals for fun. When Salah Salah not scored more <laughs> Premier League goals than Dropper there. That is, yeah, that is one of I those. It, maybe you check it before you give the interview. Maybe. I think it was. Isn't it like eighty last games as well or something stupid? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it crazy. Yeah, we're just yeah. lucky that um, Vieira says he's from France and not Senegal. We'd have be having a whole new debate. The the thing is. And to be fair, Byron, you're probably the best person to ask this. Blimey, who would you? Who would be? Oh, no. If you were lining up on a Saturday oh, no. at, at the Emirates, who would you be more scared to see in the start? Well, this, you know, I'm not the best person to ask here, am I? Because if you ask any other fan, then it's a different answer. <laughs> but I don't want to be up against Rooney, Vardy, or Drogba. Um, <laughs> but no, if I was probably a better way, to, if I was picking a team. 
then I would rather have Salah in it. But I don't think any manager in the world is going to complain about being stuck with Drogba. So it's it's, it's one of them. Um, I thought for sure you were going to say Yakubu was putting himself in the hat for a second. <laughs> How could Salah be the best African player? Where I'd, where that, I'd that would have been something. Um, the last point to touch on. So, um, City Palace, anything to worry about for City or this is going to happen every so often? I think this is going to happen every so often is the concern, isn't it? Similar with similar with Liverpool that you should... We still need Liverpool to lose. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Don't worry, I think that will, I think that will be coming. Um, no, I, I think well, at, at the minute, unless City and Liverpool sort of um, do switch on, I do think they are going to have the odd game like this. Where I mean, you could argue for City, anything that could have go wrong will did go wrong, didn't it? With the Laporte red card on another day, maybe doesn't get given, and then they give Crystal Palace forty five minutes of hell after that. I don't know. Because Gabriel Jesus had a goal as well. It was disallowed, didn't he? Yeah. Close. So, yeah, it just wasn't that day, was it? Palace are looking nice. I mean, he's, is, he's impressed. He's got the boys playing. Yeah, he's impressed, to be fair. I didn't, I didn't think he would... Uh, even the games they've missed out on points, you think they feel like they've been unlucky. I, I really like the look of uh, Michael Elise. And I, I don't know how long it's going to have to be till he starts. Maybe it's just Gallagher's playing so well. And... Um, They've just got options now, haven't they? Out, out yeah. nowhere, they've got a lot of options. Gallagher's bossing it, which is great for Chelsea. Fantastic for us. Great. That's what they need. Another good for, player. For eight million, like I'd much rather have him as him as backup over Pepe. Just his directness. It just well, like, it, it's refreshing to see what Elise or Gallagher. Uh, Elise, but yeah, Gallagher, so. we can, you can have the same conversation about him. I was, I was, yeah, pretty much. You could say that it's just refreshing to see two players that actually want to run it defenders instead of passing it. But Gallagher can kind of do everything, though, can't he? He's, he's like a he's ball a, carrier. He's, he's, yeah, he's an assister. He scores goals. Like puts himself about a bit as well for I a think more creative Chelsea player. will get a decent whack from Palace Rim because he's not going to start for Chelsea. But I don't uh, know. They don't listen. They do not mind holding. They will hold. <laughs> right. Uh, he doesn't strike me as a player that's going to be happy to wait for his chance. I think now he's had a taste of being the guy, he's going to want to be the guy. I think if we can refine him into a centre mid, I reckon I'll keep hold of him. It's just yeah. like you're right. If you play him as an inside forward, then you've got so much competition in those areas. It's going to be hard to well, fit him in. Let's face well, it, he has a year, doesn't he? They give him a year and then he probably makes or breaks, doesn't he? A lot's being made of... Um, Smith Rowe getting an England call up, and I, I think he'll probably get it in the next um, international break. Um, Gallagher's got to be in the conversation as well, and mm. I say that as as big of a Emil Smith Rowe fan as you can possibly get. Um, they're both putting up the numbers. I think uh, Smith Rowe's got one more goal than him this season. That might be in all competitions, um, mm. and still, the disgusting man's going to play the most boring setup you could possibly imagine when it comes to the World <laughs> Cup, but. <laughs> talent that, the talent that we've got coming through. Well, you know I what's going to happen? We, we've gone from not having these small technical midfielders to we're just going to have too many of them where we can't get them all yeah. in. I think maybe the fact that Smith does can play central maybe will go in his favour. You'll end up in yeah. a situation where, yeah, you have like a guy like Smith Rowe, Foden, Curtis Jones, yeah, name others, and then you'd be like, well, we can't play all of these guys. <laughs> Or, um, Once upon a time, the, we'd have killed for just one of them. 
Yeah, well, we should definitely um, be killing it in the 21s, but they seem to be god awful there as well. Well, it's weird, um, isn't it? Because the whole youth setup in England's like world beaten, and then it gets to the under 21s and they're shite. I don't like the under 17s. They're brilliant. I'll tell you why. Andy Hoofroyd. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, the man above him isn't uh, much better. He's being praised for getting to a Euros final and then uh, putting 11 men behind the ball for 90 minutes. Quite I mean, in fairness, it's literally got the best managerial record of anyone other than the guy who won the World Cup. <laughs> There's only so much, much we can have. There's better. Italy have got Mancini in charge. Who are we going to get, though? It's the other thing. This, I mean, there's some conversation for another day. I just, uh, he just annoys me when I think of his name. If I offered you Chris Wilder in over Southgate now, would you take it? No. I, I think Southgate's just, I don't know, he's made for the international job. I, I wouldn't take him as a club, Christ alive. I think it'd be a disaster. I still think he's the next United manager. <laughs> no, that would be brilliant. Don't you dare. Uh, it happens on my football manager every every single <laughs> every single year. Although what keeps happening this time, and I think it must be um, something where it's the beta, but Brendan goes to Newcastle at the start of every save, and Gattuso takes over, and then gets sacked <laughs> by December. Um, that happens every single time. Yeah, I, I'm quite happy with Smith Rowe um, playing less games, but. I'm pretty sure I'll get that England call-up, um, which we've only got one more fixture, haven't we, before the international break? Oh, good, another one. With it two. With it two. It's one. It's one because um, first game back for us is Liverpool, which is why we really need to beat Watford, because in the Liverpool game, whatever happens, happens. Fair. But I think that just about does us for today, so... Uh, United play City at the weekend, Goff, so uh, we may be giving you a call if you win, maybe. Um, <laughs> but if you get spanked, maybe it'll be your line that we're hitting. Um, thanks again for everyone for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. Will Alex be back next week? Who knows? Um, TK, I'll ask you just before you leave. Uh, movie Madness this week. Scarface against Black Mask. Yeah, it's, it's Scarface. He's going to take some beating. We may have Jack joining us if he... Uh, Manages to squeeze Scarface into his uh, schedule, but yeah, we'll have to, to wait it. and see. The Friday, um, I watched all three hours of it last night, so uh, there we go. Thanks again. We'll be back 